We are back for another episode of the MMA Report Podcast. I am Jason Foy. That is Daniel Galvon. As we are one week out from Christmas, Daniel, are you like me? And have you done zero Christmas shopping? Uh, can my girlfriend hear me from here? Jason, let's just say I've got to, uh, I got a lot of things to do when I get off work on Thursday evening. All right. I I have procrastinated. It felt like it was Turkey Day just last week. And here we are. And uh, no, Jason, I have not done my Christmas shopping. Honestly, I'm probably going to do it Friday. But Look, uh, we all have our bad traits. Procrastinating on things can sometimes be a bad trait of mind. And so we're now into a stretch where we don't have a UFC event until January 13th. So somewhat having a little bit more free time on uh, for your boy here. And uh, Friday, I'm basically just working a half day. So, yeah, uh, yeah I'll be starting my Christmas shopping on Friday. Yeah. Um, bad news is going to be freaking packed. Dude, it literally. Okay, I like there's there's certain things I know what I I need to get for the people in my life. I know where to go. I'm I'm very much of in and out. I ain't trying to like, you know, shop around. I know what I'm going for in and out. And let's just be honest about it. I've done this for a long time. You walk into a store on the 23rd, you walk into a store on the 24th, you know what you're going to see? A bunch of dudes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's uh it's it's going to be a sausage party, a sausage fest and uh I will absolutely be one of those dudes and I've got to figure out who I need to get presents for, what kind of presents they need and yes, it's all going to get done on Friday, Jason. Thank you. Thank God. Thank God Christmas is on Monday. Um or on Sunday, whatever day it's on. It's on I Monday. Have, I, have, I have Friday off, so it worked out for me. The big thing is you just got to know what that special person in your life wants or they've made subtle hints of what they want and make sure you got that wrapped. Uh, and I will tell you this right now, like, I suck at wrapping. And I don't know if you've ever seen that, like, TikTok, Instagram reel of how, like, there's two people in life and it's in relation to how you fill the dishwasher where either A, you're that person that everything has to go in a certain place or B, you're just a messy person that throws stuff in there. I am very much of the everything goes in a certain place, and sometimes I'm a little bit too much of a perfectionist, so I might wrap the same present about five times, so I think I, I feel like it's good enough. Yeah, I'm the exact opposite, Jason. I mean, my wrapping skills, it's the worst. I honestly probably have the worst skills at wrapping. I mean, it looks like a five-year-old pieced it together, um, but I'm just trying to get the damn thing covered. That's the only goal I want, but you know the hack is to get the holiday bag. Just get the just get the bag. You don't need to do no wrapping. You just need to put the item inside the bag. Get it. Get the little uh, the little paper thing and scrumple it up and throw it in there. So usually I'll go with the bag, unless um, I've done the wrapping paper. But yeah, then it just looks like a you know, well, it, the, it looks as beautiful as my finger, and my finger doesn't look great. Well, sometimes, it looks just, yeah. My, sometimes my the, thing, the gift might be uh, too big for the gift bag, so then you have to find wrapping paper. So you make it look good. Mine looks like it's been in a three-round fight with Irene Aldana. That's what my wrapping paper looks like. Man, that, that post-fight picture of the two <laughs> of them in the, uh, inside the, the hospital there. Of course, we're going to talk about UFC 296, uh, what happened on Saturday night inside Las Vegas, what happened on Thursday, kind of the uh, how everyone has reacted to what happened at the pre-fight press conference with Colby Covington and the comments had uh, clearly crossed the line, and I think it really just showed how much of a piece of shit Colby Covington is. I, I don't care what the circumstances are. It just... It once again proved to me, I don't care whether that's him or him playing a character. It just, to me, showed how much of a BOS he, he truly is. So we'll we'll talk about that. Also talk about some other things that happened post-UFC 296. Some of the things Dana White 
had to say, particularly uh, his uh, kind of short comments about uh, what's going on in the MA industry with PFL acquiring Bellator and what that means for that as well. Also, if you haven't seen UFC 299, holy crap, the UFC is loading up the deck at UFC 299, so we'll talk that. And so, Daniel, this past weekend, I was up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, Appleton, Wisconsin, for the Bucks and Packers game. And, you know, and I'll say this, if you are a NFL fan, I don't care who you're a fan of. Lambeau Field is just one of those places you have to go. And I've had a great opportunity for the last 20 years to go to almost every stadium. The only stadium I've not been to uh, in the past 20 years would be the Las Vegas Stadium because the year the Bucks played lost uh, played the Raiders. We were that was a COVID year and we did not travel to broadcast the games. We did the games remotely, and I was sitting there and I'm. During the game, I'm sitting thinking about like how much of a unique atmosphere Green Bay is. It's totally different than every other NFL venue across this country. And I was trying to compare it to MMA because obviously we're an MMA podcast. And the only thing I could think about a unique atmosphere like Green Bay is in the NFL, the comparison to MMA, I thought was maybe going to Japan to watch an MMA card. That's pretty close. I, I think that is something where it's just almost a different sport especially if the promotion caters the presentation to the Japanese audience. If you go to a Ryzen card and you get that presentation, it's a different ballgame. I mean, in America, there really isn't a specific location I can think of that's like, ooh, this is a special place I would want to go and watch a fight. It's you. It's all international. It's all uh, Ireland, you know. that Those crowds are pretty lit. Maybe Mexico City next year. But in America, honestly, the only place where it's like, ooh, I would have to go there and watch a fight might be Vegas, but not because of the city, because of the location. Like, I want to go to that first show in the Globe, uh, whatever the hell it's called. What the hell is that thing called? The Spear. Start saving your money. The Spear. Start saving your money. Because, God, you know that that ticket is going to be outrageous. As you were sitting there thinking about it, I mean, I've been to fight cards in in Vegas. I I mean, I've kind of got that off the bucket list. Maybe MSG? Oh, good call. There's there's an epic feeling to that. That's a good location. Um, And then, you know, just wherever there's a hot crowd for a local fighter. That's kind of where you're looking at in America. But there really isn't. I mean, Hawaii, going to a card in Hawaii maybe with a, a lot of Hawaiian fighters on, on the card will get me excited. But other other than that, it's like going to those international countries and seeing the hometown heroes maybe become champion. Like to see a Tom Aspinall heavyweight championship challenge in England, that sounds like a special environment. And the O2 arena, I mean, that sounds special. Sign me up for that. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, for for anyone who's never been to Lambeau Field, it is like when the Packers are on offense, I mean, it is quiet as can be. It is it's a totally different atmosphere. And and I remember I've had a chance to do games in, in Lambeau. I want to say I've gone there three, maybe four times. And it's just, it's a different experience. I thought I'd kind of share that a little bit there. And uh, it wasn't too cold. So that was always a, a beautiful thing, especially when you're talking about going to, to Green Bay in December. You, you think it might be frigid, but it was in the 30s and 40s. So it was not too bad up there. Uh, you know, and, and before we kind of get into UFC uh, 296 and things happening over there, uh, I guess, you know, let, let's just start off with the, the comments Dana White did make about PFL and Bellator. And he was asked by Mark Romani, which, by the way, Mark Romani has a really good piece up on ESPN.com. People have not seen it. I want to say it's, it's, it's called like MMA Confidential, and it's about managers, some speaking on the record, or excuse me, some quotes attributed to a manager. Other quotes were uh, were said to them by a manager, but the manager did not want their name put out there. And when Dana was asked about you know whether this is a good thing or bad thing for the industry, he said, quote, it's a bad thing. It's not a good thing for there to be less options. And I mean, look, whatever your opinions are of Dana White, Dana's not wrong there. This is at the end of the day, you know, there's going to be a lot of fighters who are who have been under contract with whether it's Bellator or whether it's PFL, that I truly feel like 12 months from now, they will not be with either organization. Yeah. And it's not only bad for the fighters, it's bad if you're like in an antitrust lawsuit and you're trying to prove that you're not a monopoly. You know, that is another reason why it's bad. 
But Dana knows the score. And it was a rare candid moment. And when you listen to his comments, he kind of knew that this was probably going to be the thing that got taken from the presser that people were going to talk about. But it's just kind of Dana saying what's reality. Like we all know it's reality. You have less fish. You have less places for fish to be. The environment isn't great for the fish. You got to have more options, right? If you're Shohei Otani and the only team that wants to bid for you is the Oakland Athletics and the other 29 Major League Baseball teams don't want your services, you will not get a $700 million deal. It's basic economics. And that's the only economics I ever learned because I didn't do anything any more advanced. But it was very interesting to hear Dana just say those words out of his mouth. Because usually when Dana is asked difficult questions like that, he just kind of like sidesteps it and doesn't engage. To me, Dana is very calculated in what he says and how he says it. And I thought he was calculated in the way he said that. I also thought he was very calculated in the way he was asked about the comments by Colby Covington at the, the press conference on Thursday. And for people who did not hear what the comments were, this is what Dana said after he says, it bothered everybody. What I say is true. We're in the fight game and lots of mean things are said. But one of the things I don't really like is family trash talk. When you start going after family, whether it's kids, the wife, the parents, whatever, it's just a nasty thing to do. But again, this is one of those sports where you say horrible things. And then 24 hours later, it goes down. Seeing Dana's reaction as he was saying those quotes, I could tell it really pissed Dana off. You, you could just see it in his head and, that's a situation that no matter what the circumstances are with Leon's father, that could have been a much worse situation that played out on that stage. And to me, it's I think there's two things when we're talking about trash talking is family and religion. Those should be off limits. And I think it says it just told me a lot of perceptions and things that have been said to me about Colby Covington in the past it just magnified it that this is a guy that he's going to say whatever he wants. And it, it just, I, I just, it's one of these things with Kobe Covington. I feel like he's going to say something to the wrong person at one time and he's not going to have anybody there to protect him. Yeah. Well, he's already gotten to that altercation with, uh, with Jorge Masvidal. And it's going to continue to happen because, like, literally, there's a line and he totally crossed it. I mean, that's the worst moment in Leon's life. A traumatic experience, the loss of a loved one. And regardless of the circumstances, that's still his own personal, like, that's just something that, that's real life, right? Leon said he used that for entertainment. And... I think everyone can relate to that. The love you have for your family. If they were to be tragically taken from you and then your opponent says that they're in hell. Are you kidding me? And with Colby, it's like, uh, he's always been someone I haven't had respect for going back to when it was the original Kamara Usman fight. And he said, did you get a call from your little tribe? Do they give you smoke signals? And at that moment, I was like, that was incredibly racist, an incredibly racist comment. And from that moment forward, I've never had any respect for Colby. And I mean, you got to look, you know, if you're President Trump, is that the fighter you want endorsing you? The guy who's who's the guy who's freaking saying comments like that? I mean, I, I wouldn't. I mean, it's not like he gave President Trump much of a show either. Like if like President Trump was a hundred percent on his phone uh, throughout the entire fight, you know he was he was he was talking to Kid Rock, which which Donald's got to find some better partners in Kid Rock. I'm sorry, <laughs> but if you were a former president, if you were a former president, bro, how is Kid Rock your number one go to guy? How is Kid Rock number one? 
He hasn't had a number one hit in 25 years. I know. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, it, it's really, it, and it, first off, it always, I get a kick out of the people in the MMA online community that absolutely lose their goddamn mind that Donald Trump is there. I'm like, I don't give a shit. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I Donald's always been, you know, he's always been a supporter of MMA. And I mean, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not here to have a political conversation, but I'm just, it, to me, it's comical that, that some people just lose their goddamn minds because of, you know, the way the UFC polarizes the former president. And, you know, I mean, look, and the UFC knows the crowd they're playing to trust me, they understand the crowd they're playing to and look, and it was not a great fight, but you want to talk about a WTF moment of the week, Daniel Colby Covington. Quote, I thought the third, fourth, and fifth rounds were mine. The fifth was mine easily. The fourth was mine too, and I thought I did enough in the third. He didn't put any damage on me. He got a couple of low kicks, but when I started checking them at the end, so I thought the win and did enough. The judges never favor me. They hate me because I support Trump, and everybody hates Trump in this building, so it is where it is. Life goes on. He can't seriously believe he's losing a decision because he supports Donald Trump. <laughs> like, what world are we living in? Yeah. Well, Colby Covington, in a nutshell, can be encapsulated in the post fight comments in the cage when he said, I don't have a scratch on me with blood coming down his face. <laughs> Colby Covington is the most full of shit fighter that has ever existed in the UFC. Colby Covington is more full of shit than a toilet at a Buffalo Wild Wings on a 50 cent Tuesday. Colby Covington is a fraud. He's a hell of a fighter. Hell of a fighter. He had a great fight against Usman. He had an embarrassing fight on Saturday. He will never get a championship opportunity again. Unless he puts together an impressive win streak. But... After a fight like that, after what he said, and he's nearing 40 years old at this point, he's heading towards there, he's done. And it's just like the ultimate drop the ball. And, yeah, like he consistently hides behind Trump. He hides behind first responders and, and, and you know, good people. But it's like these people don't want to be associated with you if you're talking about somebody's father being in hell. You think a first responder respects you for that? No. And you're going to, and the first thing you do in your post like comments is use a first responder as an umbrella, as a shield. Colby just, I think his act is, is he's, he is the bizarro child of Chael Sonnen. He saw what Chael Sonnen did, and he went up in the karaoke box and he tried to sing a Chael Sonnen song, and it was just a little racist, a little offensive, and a little bit less talented. And, uh, I, I mean, yeah, Colby Covington is the big loser this weekend. Sure, he got plenty of money this weekend, but I, I don't think anyone could come away with any respect for that dude. Yeah, I mean, to me, I, I think it's really it's, – it's going to be a long road for – and I don't think Colby – gets another opportunity at a UFC title unless he were to move up in weight to 185 pounds. I think when you talk about at 170, it's going to be a long road. Abla Muhammad should get the next title shot. I think we we should always say should because in this sport, you never know. But like to, like to me, you look at, you know, Covington, you know, talk about the Wonder Boy fight. I was like, really? Like if you're trying to get back to a UFC title, like I don't think Wonder Boy should be the guy you're trying to call out after he just got submitted by Shakot Rachmanov. Um, I mean, I, I, as I look at the top of this division, it's to me, it's below Muhammad, Shavkat Rachmanov, and then you start getting into two fighters who've already fought, you know, for the title or even had a fight against Leon Edwards. You look at Kamar Usman. We'll see if Usman, you know, wants to return to 70 or for, whether he goes to 185 pounds. Then you got Gilbert Burns. And then you got the, the fighters who are up and coming the Brady's, the Neils, Luke, Gary, Jack Della. You know, obviously, we'll, we'll see what happens with Michael Page with his UFC debut when we talk about UFC 299. But I just think for Kobe Covington, it's a long road. And the fact is, is like, you know, if you go back to all those years ago in Brazil, he was on the verge of getting cut by the UFC. And then he cuts that promo where the UFC basically has to protect him from getting killed in Brazil. And, you know, he has gone on this run. But, like, 
if Colby Covington wants to have a true legit opportunity to fight for the title again, you got to fight. You can't sit on the sidelines for 21 months. And it appeared to be 22 months when the fight actually happened because he wasn't fighting until that fifth round. He didn't do nothing. And and a big part of it is Leon's a technically really talented striker, and he wasn't giving up that many openings for Colby Covington. It's not like Colby went in there and decided not to fight. Leon didn't present any openings for Colby through those first four rounds. But for Covington, a performance like that, if you're a pay-per-view consumer, you have to get a lot of convincing to want to spend money to buy that pay-per-view because by and large, UFC 296 was a thumbs down show. It just was the prelims were the best part, but the part you actually had to pay for the only good moments was the finisher shot caught the crazy knockout and Patty and Tony was a fun fight. Those two championship fights are boring as hell. The main event was super boring. And so for Colby, he's got to earn it. And that's a tough division, bro. I mean, I'm like looking at Shopkat. I'm like, damn, how does he get a title fight? Because if Jack Della beats Gilbert Burns, I mean, Jack Della is probably getting a title fight. I think Bilal deserves the next title opportunity. Kamaru Usman's there. Like, I almost think you got to do Usman and Shopkat. I think for Colby, I think you're looking at the winner of Gary and Neil, and you're really looking at an Ian Gary Colby Covington fight because of the pre fight trash talk. But uh, that's kind of what I'm looking at. Walter Wade's got a lot of killers, man. Yeah, I mean, when you look at and by the way, this was not a good night for Americans fighting fighters from other countries as Andre Feely was the only American to pull off a victory against a non-American. Uh, Americans uh, taking on fighters from other countries on Saturday night went 1-5. and five. You mentioned about that knockout from Josh Emmett. I initially saw the knockout on TikTok. The sound of that knockout. And then you see the way he fell. Um, Bryce Mitchell, for people who have not seen, he's put a video out today where he's already back working at, at his home in Arkansas, putting together a barn that he was putting together when he puts that. But that was, you talk about scary knockout. And it's one of those things where what if Josh Emmett would have gone in for another kill shot? God knows what would have happened. I know. But that was that was one of the most brutal knockouts we've seen. Josh Emmett's going to forever have the reputation as one of the heaviest hitters that's ever fought in that weight class. I went to work today. I was showing my coworkers that knockout. I mean, that was the big moment from UFC 296. The number one moment was Josh Emmett's knockout. Number two moment was probably the women's bantamweight fight. But yeah, Josh Emmett, man, look at his hands, bro. I mean, it's it's impressive. And he's got the type of dynamite where... Maybe he'll go on a little run here at 145. I mean, there he's already attempted to, to do so, and it hasn't been successful. But at the end of the day, that offensive firepower, again, I, I think the only other dude that hits as hard as, as him is Ilya Tapiria, and then there's a big gap between the heavy hitters at 145. So it's special. For Bryce Mitchell, that was scary. It's rare the UFC shows a fighter seizing up, and I think that'll be the other image people think of is Bryce Mitchell seizing up on on the deal. I think the craziest thing and the the reason why look Joe Rogan can say some stupid stuff. Um, he was kind of cringy in the fifth round talking about Leon doesn't want to, this to be the lasting image. It's like Leon won the first four rounds, Joe. He can mail it in, but. <laughs> What I like about Joe is because he has that tenure and that respect, he feels comfortable to criticize people in real time. And him criticizing the doctors for not keeping Bryce seated because he was in danger of possibly tearing something in his knees because he was wobbly. Like that's the type of analysis that I'm going to miss in the next five to 10 years. Because I do think as guys like Joe Rogan leave the broadcast booth, the next generation of broadcasters are going to be a lot more neutered than Joe Rogan because Joe Rogan has nothing to lose. He has his podcasting empire. He can tell it like it is. And that rubs off on the other guys. I think it rubs off on Dominic Cruz and Bisping in DC. But once Joe leaves, I, I think that type of culture will go away. Like something like that probably doesn't get as much flack on an NBA or an NHL broadcast. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's also one of those things in MMA, and, and I think we, we see this in, in various situations. And I think the UFC does try to do a good job of this and making sure they're not putting someone on a card where, say, there's a lot of you know guys they've trained with or teammates being on the card because then, I mean, look, we all know it's going to become biased commentary. So I think they do a good job. I mean, you mentioned about Josh Emmett, and to me, like, because of his age and, and what he's been through, you know, in his career, like, to me, he's a guy that's got to be looking at the fires that are above him and going, I'm probably going to have to step in on a short notice opportunity to really get that opportunity. You know, if, you know, yeah, you know, you look at, you know, the, the guys in front of him, Toporio's obviously fighting for the title. You got Arnold Allen, Brian Ortega, Yair Rodriguez, Max Holloway. So to me, he's got to be probably sitting there thinking, man, maybe I get a short notice opportunity and just stay ready. Uh, in terms of that one, Dana White did say after, of course, Patty Pimwick gets a win over Tony Ferguson. He would like to see Tony Ferguson retire. And I know I've seen some you know comments about that of, of, of how people perceive those comments. But the way I perceive those comments is I think Dana White understands that if they release Tony Ferguson, he's just going to go take a fight somewhere else. And I almost feel like that's Dana White's way of going, hey, Tony, I don't want to see you ever fight again, but I don't want to see you us release you and you go fighting bare knuckle or PFL or whatever it may be. But I mean, it's like, how do you put him back in a UFC cage? You can't, you can't. Yeah. And it's like, the thing with Tony is, I mean, firstly, Tony Ferguson, Patty, okay. Look, Patty got gassed. He got gassed in round three. I guess all that cardio with David Goggins paid off because Tony looked better, but he just was a step slow. Patty was looking really good, actually, in that first round. And um, it was a step up from his Jared Gordon performance. But that's what this needed to be for him. I mean, this was the stereotypical Joe Silva matchup. It was put you up against a name with a veteran who's past his prime. Perform well. Patty did. Needs to work on his cardio. But, yeah, Tony is treating this like a joke. He's got David Goggins in his corner. That's a joke. You know, Stephen Thompson, yeah, he came out with Jack Black, but Jack Black wasn't in his corner. It was just a walkout. David Goggins out here giving him advice in his corner. That's why I love mixed martial arts. I love mixed martial arts because all that BS goes out the window when the fight starts. All that, ooh, I'm throwing up, doing my cardio. Oh, I'm doing that. Nah, bro. It's two human beings going in a cage, and whoever has the better technique, athleticism, and luck on that night wins. All that social media BS goes out the window. It don't matter. It's a true test of reality. And in a world where we're full of a bunch of fake reality, that's why I love mixed martial arts. All those stupid quotes and viral videos don't do you justice. And this is a real sport. And Tony knows it because he went to the highest levels of this real sport. But if you don't got people that are in your corner with real technical, practical advice because you want to fill it with yes men, you're going to go in there and you're going to get your ass beat. And that's what happened when you got David Goggins in your corner. Goggins is a cool dude. Cool dude. Like his videos. They get me motivated to get out of bed, you know, and not hit the snooze button. But if I'm in the Super Bowl, I don't want David Goggins with the play sheet, Jason. Want him in the sidelines, maybe in the stands. But it's also another example of we never know when the end's going to come. We, you know, I mean, I use this example all the time. I mean, you you think about Chuck Liddell, you know, before the Rampage loss at what was that UFC seventy six? I want to say it was. And he and Rampage knocks him out. Chuck Liddell was never the same after that. And at that at that time, like you looked at Chuck Liddell as this guy wasn't going to be beat, and you just never know. And and you think where Tony has gone over the past four years, you know, since you know the Justin Gaethje fight there in 2020 when the UFC came back, uh, you know, during the the pandemic. It's just. I just look at Tony, and I just don't know if he is a guy that can can just walk away. Now, maybe there's people in his inner circle and his family that maybe we get to have that conversation with him of saying, but I, I think also the the other sad part about this is, and it's it's just the reality of it is, 
if Tony's financial situation is not a good place, and I have no idea what his financial situation is, but we just see this so many times where the finances of taking a fight can really ultimately prove to someone that they should keep fighting, even though they probably shouldn't. Yeah, I mean, even if he's in a good financial situation, we live in a time where I got to take out a loan to order an egg sandwich for breakfast. So things are pricey and money goes by quick, right? If you're a mixed martial artist, you know, the top ways to make money is fighting and OnlyFans. And then after that, you got to do some other stuff. But that's the easiest way to get money quick because you've dedicated your life to this art. And it's an art that doesn't pay you when you're 50 years old unless you have a school or are working in, in some other businesses. But everyone can't have a school. There isn't enough students for that. And also opening a school is a major, major business risk. Not as risky as opening a restaurant, but it's pretty damn risky. you got to have an institution like Stephen Thompson. And I know you know quite a bit about restaurants, Jason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the restaurant business. Um, Pantoja goes out there and, and beats Brand Roy Val. You know, clear, clear win for him in, in this one. Eight takedowns uh, in the matchup. And uh, you got, I would I would imagine that Pantoja is probably going to wait around to see what happens with Bram Moreno and, and Amir Al-Bazi. Of course, that uh, fight's going to take place in, in February at that Mexico City card. Uh, just a great performance by Pantoja. And, uh, you know, I, mean, I don't think there's much more you can say about that outside of, man, it was just a great performance. Look, it was just, he was he was out grappling Brandon Royval. I mean, that's just what happened. He, he secured the takedowns, got the top position. The flyweight fight wasn't that exciting. Again, the top two fights at UFC 296 weren't great. But at the end of the day, if you come in as a champion, you retain your championship, you should be proud of that because it's very hard to do such a thing. When I'm looking at Pantoja, I'm looking at the types of guys that I think could probably dethrone him. I think the two names is Brandon Moreno Manel Kopp. I think Manel Kopp is a guy who could absolutely come in there and rock his world. But for the time being, hats off to Pantoja. Took on a tough fighter. I think Royville had some moments later in that championship fight as well. But it was as simple as Pantoja was able to get him down whenever he wanted. Yeah, I mean, it's it, he is very clearly showing that he is the best. Can I ask you this? Yeah. Can I ask you this? Because we kind of we didn't really answer it. It's the biggest question coming out of UFC 296. Other right. than other than why is Kid Rock called Kid Rock and not Adult Rock? I got to ask you, who the hell deserves the welterweight championship fight next? Oh, it's Blood Muhammad. No, no, no doubt about it. Who gets it? Who actually gets it? When does Leon Edwards defend the title? Because Leon obviously does not want to fight below. I mean, he he made that clear in the post-fight press conference. And it's just like, bro, Out, Leon. Outside of below, like, do you chase the money fight? Do What's I dare the say, money fight? Do I dare say it for the algorithm? Conor McGregor, are you fucking? Conor McGregor versus Leon Edwards. Conor McGregor versus Leon Edwards. Let's get this algorithm. Oh my god! <laughs> I, mean, I think I mean, like, Muhammad would retire for reals. He would retire. I, I, I mean, mean, how could Leon do? How could Leon do Bilal dirty when that happened to him? You know? Yeah, I mean, this is like when you think about outside of Bilal Muhammad, who could he potentially? Could there be? Would Islam Mahachev move up to fight him? Now, here here becomes I think a little bit of the issue if, if I'm in the Bilal Muhammad inner circle is your manager fighting for you or fighting for one of his other clients yeah I, I, I mean that that to me is where i would throw that question out there like if i'm below i'm sitting there you gotta start having that conversation with your manager going hey man you're pushing for me you ain't pushing for islam right yeah a manager's gotta have a favorite fighter just like every parent surely has a favorite kid you got you got a choice you yeah. got a choice. And, and, and yeah, he's got to worry about that. And, and again, everyone's just kind of like, give him the shot because everyone's just holding the title for Shavkat. Everyone's just keeping it warm for Rachmanov. He's coming. He's coming. This All this dude does is finish fights, and people are out here criticizing him because he clinched with Thompson on the cage for one round. You know what he did in round two? He tapped him out. He well, tapped then- out Stephen Thompson. 
And then it comes out the fact of he almost pulled out of this fight due to an injury, but ended up staying in the fight going in there. And uh, who, who I mean, would you pick, bro? Who would you pick? One seventy, Rachmanov, Islam Mahachev. If they were to fight each other or fight Leon for the title, fight each other. Mm. I might, I fight. might say Mahachev. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's a good, it's a damn good question, though. And here's everything you need to know about the reality of the situation. Firstly, Bilal deserves the shot because he's won so many damn fights. Yes, no doubt. He, he kicked Stephen Thompson's ass like three years ago, and he just beat Gilbert Burns. But Shavkat is definitely the most interesting guy because look at this headline for MMA Mania. UFC odds. Leon Edwards opens as huge betting favorite over Bilal Muhammad, but just a pick against Shavkat Rachmanov. This is a Florida State situation, Jason. All right. Florida State and Bilal deserved the opportunity at the championship, <laughs> even though we all know Alabama slash Shopcott is better. But do the right thing. Screw you. Screw you, okay? <laughs> oh, man. I'm so sorry. I, 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 had, to, I had to laugh <laughs> hearing in, when we um, – we started throwing some darts Saturday night up in Wisconsin. And uh, a buddy goes, hey, man, I haven't had a chance to see you since FSU didn't make the playoffs. He goes, I'll let you throw first. I go, you asshole. He's trying to throw you off your game, man. He's trying to clear, get you, yeah, clear, get clearly, you rattled. Yeah, clearly trying to throw me off my game there. Uh, by the way, um, you know, I, I know it's easy to rag on Dana White. How about Dana White just going, hey, Who's the asshole that sits Sean Strickland and Drekus Duplessis right next to each other? Yeah, this is the asshole who did that. I, I Hey, at least Dana White called himself out on it. Yeah, that was like the most wholesome situation. I've never seen a more wholesome situation where two dudes are fighting in the crowd. We had Dana <laughs> owning it. We had Sean politely asking Gilbert Burns' family to move <laughs> and then proceeding to throw some bungalows. <laughs> I, I am excited for Sean Strickland and DDP, man. And, and All right. I mean, yeah, it's just is a funny situation. Sean is a very funny guy. Um, he really is a, a hilarious dude. And, 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 again, he toes the line too. But it's not as bad as Covington. You know, he, he doesn't say – well, he says some crazy stuff. But, yeah, it just Covington feels a lot nastier. With Sean, yes. what he says is very – it's comedic almost, tongue-in-cheek. You know, first off, so this this DDP Strickland fight is January 20th. How soon does the UFC have a promo out to promote this fight that includes the footage of that, of that brawl? Oh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. And, and, by, and by the way, this complete random note, but I was watching the pay-per-view or the show – and I'm just watching these videos, and I'm like, you know, there's some really unsung heroes of the UFC production staff. Like, the people who put together these pre-fight packages, like, I'm looking at all the different Nat sounds, all the announcing, mm-hmm. all the visual. I'm like, these are really effing good. And I always take them for granted. I think we always take these beautiful video packages for granted. And the thing is, they're running a show every single week. It's like nonstop. You're talking about so many different video packages. And I just wonder how many people are employed by the UFC that are in the video production staff. Because when you're talking about that post or pre-production video content, and these videos are really good. Again, I'm watching this Tony Ferguson, Patty Pimlet video, and there's so many different like elements to it. And yeah. the, the, the calls from the commentator are so spot on. And it's like, this had to take real time to do this. So I just wanted to give a little hat tip to the, I'm sure, overworked production staff of the UFC. Because, again, I mean, how many people do you honestly think are behind that operation? Because it's a steady stream of content they got to produce every week. hundred? hundred was the number that came to my mind. I mean, <laughs> I mean, look, they, you know, they're, they're absolutely amazing at what they do. I mean, and you know this being on that video production side of, you know, when, when you're talking about having multiple, you know, footage that you're putting together. And I mean, I, I look, I, I get a chance to see some of the stuff that the Buccaneers digital team puts together. And yeah, man, that's that's yeah. 
unfortunately, I don't think I have that enough patience to be able to put all that stuff together. I, I, when I see video people who truly know how to really, you know, do things on video, I'm like, man, you have to have so much patience. Patience, vision, resource cataloging, you know, really cataloging everything so it's easy to find and you know where it is. But it's something that you don't really think about. And that's the magic, right? The magic of great television, the magic of great video packages is the viewer doesn't think about the hard work that goes into it. They just enjoy it. Yeah. They don't think, oh, that was a great cut. They just think, oh, it's, it's like a good referee. You don't think about the referee unless he screws up. That's when you think about the referee. You ne- look, you, you never praise a referee when he does a great job. It's, it's like it's like you're an NFL offensive lineman. The only time people really talk about you is if something bad happens. Exactly. Like, you know you're a good referee if me and you don't know your name and you do most of the UFC events. If you do most of the UFC events and a hardcore MMA fan doesn't know your name, you're probably a damn good referee or a good judge. Yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I think when it comes to the Vegas events, I think just because they're there so often, I think we all know who the referees are. Oh, by the way, can we pour one out for Brittany Palmer? Ariani also uh, retiring as well. It's the end Dang. of an era. I know. Shout out to them, man. They, you know, they're good at their jobs and stuff. Uh, but it's it's, a, it's been a long run, man. And um, I think I think Ariani and Brittany would be like the two most iconic ring card girls that they've ever had, and oh, no I think no. they ever will have. I mean, the tenure. The longevity, I think when they were doing it, the ring car girls are more featured prominently, more so than they are now. Not that they were ever like super featured, but it just felt like they were bigger celebrities in the days of the UFC 70 and 80 and 90 and 100. No, it, it, I agree with you. It, it does seem that there has definitely not been, they're not as present on the television product as they once were. Yeah, because I feel like they were way more. I feel like if we go back and we watch an old Spike TV broadcast, it's a lot more prominent. Like I could name, I could personally name you most of the ring card girls from that generation. Yeah. And today, there's more cards than ever, and I couldn't. And it's just yeah. So, but yeah, shout out to her, man. Hell of a career, and and uh, yeah, let's uh let's all do this thing again in forty years, like. Uh, a throwback show with Joe Rogan and and above everyone all all there doing their same roles. Yeah, that'd be cool. But uh, yeah, good for her, man. Um, shout out to her. That's a, that's a lot of Saturday nights, man. A lot of Saturday nights in Vegas, just just watching some fights. I bet they have some good stories. You know, <laughs> seeing like crowd watching too. You know, stuff like that. It it is sometimes, and you know, I'm at, at the end of the day, I'm a podcaster slash content creator so i'm not i'm not i'm not watching all these events live but i go on my timeline i think about there are some people who cover the sport that i'm like god do you ever take a saturday night off do you ever just go out and enjoy life Mm -hmm. you got to you got to because uh, like like i know there are people who are absolutely dreading the fact that a next ufc event is not till january 13th daniel i love it i love it yeah, it's great. It's yeah, great. because can, like like I mentioned, like I mean, obviously this is a holiday weekend. Christmas Eve on Saturday, on Sunday, Christmas Day on on Monday. I mean, of course, I'll be working on, on Christmas Eve with with the Bucks having a home game against Jacksonville. But like, I'll tell you this, like right now, like on Friday and Saturday night, I'm just I'm going to go out and enjoy life. I mean, people who know me. First off, I'm not hard to find. People know this. I am not hard to find. I will be, you know, throwing some darts at, at my favorite watering hole. And I will tell you, this past Friday night, I was at that favorite watering hole. And they had the Jake Paul fight on, which I didn't realize they were going to have it. As his opponent, uh, what was it, Andre August, started walking out, I was just like, oh, my God, I feel like Barry Horowitz is walking to the ring. Wow. I, I mean, like you knew you knew the tomato can was <laughs> I just, was head into the ring. I remember when we talked about this last week on the podcast, and we, you mentioned about being on box rec and looking at his strength of competition. And then when he was walking to the ring, and by the way, it took goddamn forever for them to actually get to this fight. I'm just sitting there going, "Oh my god, Jake Paul's going to murder this guy," and uh, and that's kind of what happened. 
That's kind of what happened. Yeah. If people have not seen the knockout, I mean, just a brutal uppercut that Jake Paul land. And, you know, I don't know what Jake Paul's where he's going to be a year from now. I don't know how how much interest there still is in Jake Paul because literally the guy went from fighting in arenas to fighting in a glorified hotel ballroom last Friday night. Yeah, but obviously it seems that this was something, as you mentioned last week, he wasn't going to promote. This was just him padding his resume, getting a box. This was like a glorified boxing training that we just happened to have an opportunity to buy for. But, yeah, I, I would imagine the business for that Dezone show would have been so minimal. I mean, I, I can't even hazard a guess. But I, I think Jake Paul still matters. I think it's the right opponent. And him and his brother, the one thing they know how to do well is promote. And he actively just did not promote that fight. Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing to note, uh, I mean, if you are looking to watch combat sports, uh, on zone on Saturday, they've got the Day of Reckoning uh, boxing um, pay-per-view. I want to say I saw it starts at 11 a.m. East Coast time. Uh, you got uh, Anthony Joshua in the main event uh, taking on Otto Whalen. I hope hopefully I said that right. I have no clue who he is. Uh, Deontay Wilder taking on Joseph Park. Um so those are really the two big names I noticed. But, yeah, I mean, like, if you want to go out and watch Combat Sports on Saturday, I mean, or maybe if you have his own subscription, you can watch that on Saturday. But uh, I I do not expect myself to be watching boxing on Saturday. I expect myself to be uh, taking in a bunch of football. It's bowl season. It's NFL season. So I, I'm pretty sure that's what I'll be doing. And, uh, I mean, look, if anybody wants that dark smoke in South Tampa, you know where to find me. Oh, I know, man. I mean, you're more – you are a dart master. You really are. You're getting those repetitions in. I mean, you're you're more lethal than Josh Emmett's hands, brother. Look, look, man, that's you know what? We all have to have things that we love to do. You know? And and that's like we all go through the BS of life. And uh for me, just you know, sitting there throwing darts, ha- having a few uh beverages and, and chilling with the friends, that's that's what I like to do, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's uh it's uh I I know who I want as my darts partner. And that would be you, bro. Let's just say that there is a uh, my buddy Chris has a rule. He says if Jason's had three Stellas, watch out. You, you, that's your. You it, get loose. It, and it seems like from them. Stella number one, number number two and a half, I'm pretty good. Once we get on that third Stella, watch out <laughs> because here here comes the smoke. Damn, I love it. I love it. The third Stella, you start performing like. Uh, Who's a, you're like Cheeto Vera, you know, in round one and two, you're all right. Round three and four, you get three Stellas down. Watch out. By the way, speaking of Cheeto Vera, of course, we had some fight announcements for UFC 299, including Michael Page assigned with the UFC. He's going to make his debut against Kevin Holland. Also, they announced Gilbert Burns versus Jack Della Maddalena, Jeff Neal versus Ian Gary, uh, Song Yudong versus Peter Yan. I mean, you look at this 299 fight card that the UFC has put together. Of course, this is going to be the pay-per-view in, in March uh, in Miami. Man, just a we not. We know this sport. We know there's going to be injuries. We know there's going to be some fight changes. But the way this card sits there right now, I mean, you're talking about on the prelims or likely a prelim matchup, at least it's listed on a prelim on, on topology right now, Matthias Gamerot versus Rafael Dos Anjos. If that fight's on the prelims, that should just tell you how good of a fight card the UFC is putting together right now. Yeah, like, that's crazy. Gamerot's could potentially challenge for a lightweight championship in 2024. Um, and it, it's like what the crazy part about it is that, you know, UFC 300 is going to be even better because UFC 300 is going to be the one where they just completely, they do everything. So it's almost like UFC 299 is all the fights that hit the, the cutting room floor and, and UFC cause like 300, I mean, they haven't announced anything, but you know, that's going to be Connor. And then probably Bo Nickel will be on there too. But damn, yeah, UFC 299 is unbelievably just a great card. You know, maybe the big loser is going to be UFC 301. Might be a lame duck pay-per-view. Someone actually mentioned an opponent uh, in an interview with Dana White for Jim Miller, you know, because obviously it would be, I think, very sentimental and Jim Miller wants to be on that card. What if you did Jim Miller versus Patty Pimblett? I think that's good. I, w- I would be down for that. I think, um, yeah, that's a fight that matters. 
it's kind of part of that Joe Silva matchup. Jim Miller's good enough to justify that fight. Patty wasn't that amazing against Tony to get a big ranking. And Patty, I mean, I think this is what I think the dynamic's going to be. I think UFC 299 is going to be UFC 300 for hardcore fans. And UFC 300 is going to be for the casual audience. So it's going to get all those casual names like Patty and Bo and Connor. So I think that fits right in, actually. I think that's a perfect fight. Let me, as I'm looking at this fight card, you know, and you mentioned about who will Leon Edwards fight next if it's not below Muhammad. What if Michael Page goes out there and does, does Michael Page things and scores a highlight reel knockout with the UFC go, screw it, Leon Edwards, Michael Page, London? Absolutely they would because we've seen it time and again where people who quote-unquote deserve championship opportunities get jumped by people who have amazing performances. You know, this is a sport of momentum. That's what this is. It's not every day you sit on the sidelines for two years and get a championship opportunity. Sure, it's happened three times this year between Colby, Cejudo, and Jones. But more often than not, it's whenever you explode with momentum. So, Jason, yes, that's a realistic scenario. And again, Page wasn't even a name I thought of when I was thinking about future welterweight title contenders. I was thinking of the the, the Jack Della fight. I was thinking about Shavkat. I was thinking about Uzma. I was thinking about freaking Muhammad. Completely did not think about Page. But he is absolutely someone that could get that win, and you can tell that story in England. And look, yeah. I think, and I think that's a big loss for the PFL not to be able to get Michael Page under contract. And but I think if you're Michael Page, I mean, and where you're at this stage of your career, it. I mean, I know he was on Ariel's show today, and he mentioned he's like, "Hey, I didn't take less money," but you got to imagine that probably that mentality was like, "Hey, man, I'm at a point now. Like, if I don't get a UFC in the UFC now, it was never going to happen for him." Mm-hmm. He spent a, he spent a long ass time fighting Bellator. He spent a long ass time not in that spotlight. The UFC offered something that he has not had before. The PFL would have been more of the same. And that, I mean, they've got to put that fight on pay-per-view. I cannot imagine they would not put Paige Holland on the pay-per-view. Yeah, but again, it's like, what's what's make, what's making the what's not making the cut, right? Okay, That's so a stupid obvi- card. Okay, obviously Burns, Madalena. I would imagine that's probably your co-main event. Okay. Yeah. So who are so who are your other three spots? I think you've got four candidates for three spots. The four candidates: Paige Holland, Blades Almeida, Neil Gary, Yan, and Song. Why do I say they put Blades and Almeida as a feature prelim on ESPN? I think it's because Blades isn't that exciting. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I feel that, like Jan and, and Song, that's that could be a really fun stand-up fight between those two guys. Neil and Gary, you know there is going and, – and Jeff Neal has already come out this week, uh, come out today and talked about the fact of he is he is ready to make Ian Gary pay for putting his uh, mugshot on a T-shirt. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh... – this is going to be brutal. Ian Gary just cannot catch a break. But, I mean, a lot of it's self-inflicted. Yeah, I mean, it's not been a good time for him. I mean, but as you kind of look forward to what's to come here with the UFC in 2024, of course, mentioning that first event is not till January 13th. That will be the Ankalaev and Walker. Uh, it is a fight card at the Apex, so that should probably tell you a little bit of something about what to expect from this fight card. Uh, also, I mean, that would be the uh, first weekend of the NFL playoffs, so I think uh, for a lot of people, probably the attention will be on the NFL playoffs that weekend. But as you kind of look ahead to this fight card, the Batista Ricky Simone fight uh, sticks out to me. Obviously, uh, Matthias Nikolai and Manel Kopp in, in the co main event at Flyweight. That's a, a really interesting matchup there. Jim Miller is on that fight card as well against Gabriel Benitez. Uh, so, uh, you know, you got to imagine that if he's able to go out there and get a victory, that he's definitely going to be on UFC 300. But, uh, I mean, you know, Daniels, you look at this fight card, you're like, yeah, that's an Apex card. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Uh... <laughs> 
that's an apex card. You know, like you look at the prelims at UFC 296, and it's like, damn, they are selling some tickets, right? Like they they got to gear they got to gear Ulambekov on the early prelims. They're selling some tickets, you know. They got Cody Garbrandt on the prelims. They're selling some tickets, you know. You look at the apex card, you're like, they got three good fights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, three things I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I mean that that's kind of that's a, a little bit of an unfortunate thing with with some of those Apex cards is I mean you, I mean you're gonna have a good headliner obviously but you know we we always as a combat sports fan we're looking for that depth you know I'm I'm you know give me that reason to sit at home on on a Saturday night or you know whether or, or maybe it's you know go out to a you know a bar I mean I I, I mean I, I think I talked about this last week I feel like more people are starting to go out again to watch UFC events and and I think a lot of it's a price point I would imagine that we'll probably hear in the next two or three weeks hear about ESPN's raised cost of UFC pay-per-views I'm, I'm just waiting for it it's coming you know it is oh yeah it's coming at UFC 300 we know it that is when it's going to take into effect. No doubt about it. Oh no, no, they always do in the January events. It's all it's like clockwork every January. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it probably will be. You're you're right, but it's just like who's not going to spend money on US three hundred? But I would tell you, I have not. I have not. And uh, I mean, it's been eighty bucks. I would imagine it's going to go to eighty four ninety nine in twenty twenty four. That would just be my guess. But I've gone out to watch pretty much every. UFC pay-per-view or probably I would say the past six months. Wow. Party animal. Uh, I'm, I'm an outgoing type guy, man. Yeah, but you're not the only one. I think a lot of people are like, hey, let's- I, I, bro, there are sometimes I wish I had a homebody mentality. <laughs> there are times I wish I did. I just I don't have that mentality, man. I, I like I like being I'm, I like to be a man of the people I like to go out and have a good time. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, I know. And you get the vibe check. Yeah. Drinks taste a lot better. And look, and and I'm a big believer. I love the people watch. Love the people watch. Mm-hmm. It's it's and that is the best place to people watch, man. No, oh no, 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 no. What's the best place to people watch? Walmart. Yeah. Dude, I had I, I had to uh go yeah, there's a Walmart right here by my, my studios. And so I needed to get some, um, you know, some waters and, and things like that to, to stock the fridge here in the office. And I was just like, wow, this is amazing people watching. Why is that? You just never know what you're going to see. Like, if you want a real culture experience, go into like a Walmart at like 10, 11 o'clock at night. Go into one of those 24-hour Walmarts. Oh, man. <laughs> you never know what you might see. Yeah, I know. I get that. I, get that. I mean, look, I'm, I'm more of a Target type guy. But yeah, yeah, there there is something about people watching. Like it's like going to like 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 you talk about great people watching places. State Fair, that's another great place that people watch at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. You know? Oh, and, and by the way, thinking about the whole Strickland DDP thing from um, Saturday night, you you know what I also find really amazing about that clip? What's that? How quick people are to pull their phones out, start videoing. Well, I can't blame people. Because what are you gonna do? Get in between Sean Strickland and DDP? That's one of those rare instances where it's like the phone is justified. You know, sometimes we'll see like an old man getting bullied, and it's like, oh, why aren't you saving him? You know, step in there. But I'm not blaming no one for getting in between those two 185, you know, 200 pound monsters. Bro, if I start seeing two MMA fighters fighting in you know cage side, uh, you know, in the seats, I'm getting far as way as possible. No, nah, yeah. man. Yeah. We'll, we'll stand back here. We'll be good. We'll stand back here. Let's security handle that thing. And yeah, I mean, shout out to security. Shout out to security for handling MA fighters. I mean, Strickland. I mean, yeah. I mean, he was, you know, he was throwing some 12 to 6 punches. There was no doubt about oh, yeah. it. He, he was, he was, he was delivering those biscuits, man. He, with that, intention. That's one of those moments in MMA that you just wish Dana White was mic'd up and you could hear what was, what he was saying out loud. Yeah, I, I would want to know what they were saying throughout the event. You know, those two barking back and forth. You know, I want an account from the did, Gilbert Burns family. Did it ever come out of like what pushed Strickland over the edge? I have, I, I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen anything either, but I'm sure Nina Drama will get to the bottom of it. Yeah, 
I, I saw some video on Instagram calling her an influencer. I was like, eh. oh, she probably is. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess here's the thing. What's the difference between an influencer and a content, content creator? There's not no difference. It's the same thing. I, now, I, I was I, I was thinking about that earlier today, and I was like, I go, and I don't think content creator or influencer is a bad term. I'm just like, what's the difference? Yeah, no, there isn't. To me, that's a that's a synonym. I mean, I guess you can make the case that influencer like influences culture. You know, maybe they influence the youth, and a content creator is just like some dude eating cheeseburgers until he throws up. But <laughs> it's probably the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to eat to throw up. That is definitely not my mentality. Uh, that's 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 my lifestyle. Yeah, that's my <laughs> lifestyle when it comes to hitting up a B-dubs, You know. So uh, we got any uh, matches on the books? Yeah, I won on Saturday in Laredo. Don't know much about it. Just know I think it's going to be like a free show for kids. So it's oh, that's awesome. Pack. Yeah, so got have one on Laredo. Had one none this weekend in Mission. We lost, but you know it was a fun match and uh, one uh, match of the year for uh, the little promotion that I was in. Uh, awesome. We had to, I won the award for having the best match that year with a guy. So that was really cool. But yeah, I got one more match in the books for 2023 before we get rolling in 2024, man. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I saw I saw your, your trophy that uh, you got for that that match there, and uh, I'd say anytime I come on like TikTok or Instagram and I see like these clips of, you know, people you know learning the the craft of professional wrestling, you definitely come to mind immediately. Yeah, man. One day at a time. You know, we we it's a struggle. You know, you do your nine to five, and then you got to get to work after work. Time to hit the gym. You know, tonight gonna eat some gonna eat some salmon right now. Get that protein. Hit the gym, Jason. Two or three hour session. Go back to my job tomorrow. Go to wrestling training on Tuesday evening. Go back to my job on Wednesday. Hit the gym. You know, it's 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 a it's a it's a struggle, but I love it. Rise and grind. I guess would be about the best way to put it. There, rise and grind. And then drink a couple beers on a Friday night. I also do that too. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. I mean, look, I, I think we all have to have, you know, we all have to have that, that decompressed day, you know, just to, to kind of get over the the things that we go through on, on a day in, day out basis. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope you have a good, badass week and uh, I'll be rooting for your Tampa Bay Buccaneers and I hope to see you in the Super Bowl. Texas Buccaneers <laughs> Super Bowl. I, I wonder Wait. why you would be rooting for the Bucks this week. I, I don't know. I don't oh, know. yeah, yeah. You're playing the Jags. You're playing the Jags. I need y'all to win. I need y'all to win. But I, I like seeing you happy. I know it makes you happy when they win. So, uh, yes. You know. It definitely brings up the mood when it's a victory Monday. It definitely yeah. makes uh, makes the mood a little bit better, you know. Nice, you know, and, uh, you know, leaving leaving Green Bay at like 30 degree temperatures, landing in Tampa, and it's like 70 degrees. Yeah, it's it's a little bit it's a little bit different, you know. Yeah, and Tampa Bay needs it now that you're going to have the St. Petersburg Rays. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> this freaking mayor. Like, <laughs> bro, like, I, 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 I see it, and I'm just like, why? Why, why do you want to divide an area? There, you already have enough troubles getting people to come to the game. Yeah. And now you're, I, I, I would say this. I don't think there's any way in hell that the club will do that. I, I don't think they you. care what, I don't think they care what a local politician. I mean, we see, I seen some idiot things happen in, in, in this region. That's one of them. I mean, good yeah. Lord. Like, yeah, that was so dumb. That was so dumb. Dare, yeah. I, I just, I look at that stuff and I go like, is there not someone around you go, Hey man. That's not a good idea. Yeah. I feel like you can yeah. say that about MMA every week. Like there'd be something. They like said that about Tony Ferguson this week. True, false. Tony Ferguson has a fight within the next six months. True. God, I hope it's false. Yeah, but I think it's true. I think that guy is stubborn as hell. I do too. I mean, I just, I, I think the unfortunate part of it is even if the UFC says, hey, Tony, we want you to retire, but we're not going to offer you another fight, there's going to be a promoter out there 
that is going to offer Tony a fight because they are going to see a financial value that Tony Ferguson can bring in terms of, you know, whether it's being able to put butts in the seats or maybe maybe it's selling internet streams or something. But I just, you know, it, it's one of those things, and I know it's unlikely to ever change, but it's one of those things where you just hope that a promoter would say, you know what, this guy does not need to be fighting anymore. And, I, and I'm not going to be that promoter that ponies up money to have him fight. Yeah. But the thing is, you need not just one, you need all of them. And, and that's the game we live in. It's There's, there's always going to be that one. That one greedy dude who's going to put that fight on because it's going to put butts in seats and make him some moolah. I also wonder, though, is could grappling competitions at some point get to a place where the money is so good that maybe, maybe that's where you start to see someone like a Tony Ferguson transition to as opposed to whether it's going to an MMA promotion or, or, or a bare knuckle promotion. Yeah, but you're gonna have plenty of guys who love to stand and trade, and and that's the thing they love about the sport. Yeah. That yeah. violence, that brutality that gives them damage is also what they love. So I agree. You'll if as grappling gets more popular, that'll be a much better avenue for someone like I don't know John Fitch. You know, people like that, Jake Shields, those strong grapplers. You know, maybe Patty Pimblett down the line. But uh, for someone like Tony, he loves to stand and trade. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But, of course, as always, we appreciate everyone tuning in for episode of the podcast. Of course, uh, new episodes come out every week. Talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. We appreciate you tuning in for this podcast. Of course, uh, if you can uh, you know, like the video, comment on the video on YouTube, we very much appreciate it. So we'll talk to you next week right here on the Ameriport Podcast. <laughs>